From the front row of the theater to your headphones, this is your Wednesday matinee. The WICB podcast for all things Broadway. We are your hosts, Connor Hibbard and Lou Barron, two certified theater kids with a lot of knowledge and even more opinions. What more can we say? Let me set the scene. Okay, let me just let me just take a moment. It's cold outside. It's a cloudy day. You're drinking tea in your bed. It's final season. Mm-hmm. It's time to cry. Dun dun oh, dun. Oh. Let the tears flow with episode 6 of your Wednesday matinee. The songs that make us cry every time. Like if you cry every time. Oh boy, this is going to be a very sad episode. Yeah, no, and we had such a hard time picking songs to talk about because there are so many tears-worthy musical theater moments uh, Mm -hmm. in the canon, but I think we have a pretty solid list. I'm probably going to cry several times during this episode. By the way, I also want to throw out a disclaimer. This is not songs that make you cry because they're bad. Like if this would be a a diversion on the musical Cats if we were talking about that. (laughs) This is songs that make us cry because they're sad or maybe it's happy tears. I don't know. We're going to find out. We we would recommend listening to these songs. Listen to our playlist. Please listen to our playlist. Please. The reason that they're so cry worthy are because they really hit you in the moment and we don't want to take those moments away from you. Of course not. We would never. Spoiler warning are in effect for Matilda the Musical, Company, Little Women, The Band's Visit, uh, Ordinary Days, and Falsettos. And without further ado, Lou, that was a nice rhyme. Take it away with your first sad boy song. All right. So it's going to sound kind of ridiculous, but I think this is actually the song that makes me cry the most out of any of these songs which seriously does not make sense because Matilda, like Matilda, the musical, really? Uh, But the song is called When I Grow Up and I do not cry a lot. It takes a lot for me to cry, especially in a theater when I'm surrounded by other people. I'm very much a private crier, but this was actually the first time I ever cried, full on cried in a theater was listening to this song, When I Grow Up. From Matilda. Uh, and I honestly, it doesn't make any sense because I was also a child at the time. <laughs> yeah. Like too. I was barely even a teenager at that point, I think. So I don't know why I was so nostalgic then, but I feel like I still am. And it makes more sense now than I did when I was 14 or however old I was. But children singing, British children singing, nostalgia. Man, there are just so many things about this really really listen to it something about lyrics and I think I've always personally just had a really hard time with growing up and it's something that I think about a lot and time passing is something that I think about a lot Mm -hmm. and it just really really hits me in the feelings and it's also why and this is a little sneaky honorable mention (laughs) I cried at Peter Pan live Peter Pan live with Christopher Walken Peter Pan Live with Christopher Walken made me cry. Lou, what are you doing, man? I was so mad. (laughs) Honestly, in the moment as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, really? You're going to cry at Peter Pan Live? But there's something about growing up. It's the theme of growing up that grips me like no other theme for whatever reason. 
And I don't know. I just, I sob. To your earlier point, Lou, I'm a very public crier in the theater. I cry at a lot of things in the theater, but I did not cry at Matilda. I feel that this is an underrated song, and I think Matilda's a bit of an underrated musical. I guess the the themes of of growing up and you know being a, a innocent child and an it's it's very I mean listen to the song of course being a, a child in an adult's world is it didn't hit me as hard as it might have hit Lou but this is a fantastic song um, that definitely hits all those nostalgia points and Tim mentioned another underrated composer who's actually really great yeah and you know the other thing I want to say about this and. Uh, definitely a part of why I cried in the theater watching it was the stagecraft of this number. Uh, All of the children are on swings and they're swinging up into the audience and the lighting is this beautiful shimmery yellow green. And yeah, it was definitely the visual of the swings and swinging definitely had something to do with it for me as well because I'm a big, big swinger. Uh, That sounded kind of weird um there you go yeah when I was a kid I always ran for the swings at the playground I think that was the first place that I would go yeah that's the first place I want to go as an adult if I'm on a playground is the swings because like you know it's built for children I don't want to go on a slide or the monkey bars or whatever but I'll go swing that sounds like a lot of fun it's very absolutely oh boy oh boy my first selection (laughs) is being alive from company Now, we talked about company in our Stephen Sondheim episode. We didn't really talk about this number. There's many, many versions of this number. The one that makes me cry is the Rule Esparza version. Okay, so if you haven't heard Being Alive, it's kind of two songs that are the exact same. So the first, and they have two completely different emotions. So the first half of the song is a bit slower. Bobby is approaching the situation with trepidation and he's getting all this encouragement from all his married friends about, you know, dive in and accept commitment and, and, you know, be alive. And then the second song is him taking that, the second part of the song, I should say, is taking that advice and diving in. And it's, it's a beautiful transition um, because, and, and it's made all the more emotional when you see the whole show and you see his entire emotional journey and his interactions with the, his married friends, he finally fully commits and decides to be alive because alone is alone, not alive. Lou? I mean, I said this during our Sondheim episode, Company is probably my favorite Sondheim musical and Being Alive is an incredible song. I can't say it's ever made me cry, but I do think that had I seen Katrina Lenk do it, I would have cried. But yeah, I would have been I would have been crying that whole show because I would have seen Patti Lapone on a Broadway stage. So okay. I would I would have started when she came on and not stopped. But until the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a remarkable song, no matter who sings it. But Raul Esparza is just like he's one of the best male belters on Broadway. It's, there's so much power behind that performance. And and I mean, I could go on for literally days about this song, but when you combine Sondheim's just earnest lyrics with Raul Esparza's searing, belting voice, it's magic. It's just magic. Yeah, I think what's really powerful about this song is the very subtle lyric changes that indicate Bobby's growth. At first, he's 
saying very uh, disparagingly, you know, like what is getting married anyway? It's like someone to hold you too close and cut you too deep or whatever. And then by the end, he's like, somebody hold me too close. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and he's like saying like, somebody please do these things to me that I was so afraid of before, but now uh, I want them and I need them to be alive. Yeah. Oh, wait, one more thing about being alive. I also think in the context of the whole show, uh, it's a very, very satisfying conclusion, especially because you go from Bobby at the beginning and then the act one closer is marry me a little, which is kind of the midpoint between the disparaging, I don't want to get married and the full on let's do this thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the progression is is very nice. Yeah, because it's marry me, but but only a little. It's like I want to commit, but it's like I'm not fully there. But I I'm telling myself that I want to commit. This is not about marry me a little. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Moving uh, on. Moving on. Fantastic musical, Lou. Your second selection, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, my second selection is "Some Things Are Meant to Be" from Little Women, and oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> uh, this song is so sad. For anyone who somehow has escaped the story of Little Women in all of its many forms, uh, Beth dies. So, I mean, that's like a pretty, pretty, pretty common knowledge out there in the world, uh, but it's still depressing nonetheless. And yeah, this is the song that Beth sings with Joe before she dies. It's her last moment on stage. What makes it the saddest is that it sounds so uplifting musically because it's slow and it's a ballad, but it also has kind of a driving pulse to it that feels hopeful. And I think the fact that it sounds so hopeful just makes it all the more heartbreaking when you know that she's gonna be gone very shortly. And the relationship between Joe and Beth, oof, the last line, man. All my life, I've lived for loving you. Let me go now. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, it's so sad. And I was in this show, so I watched two oh, incredible, no. incredible actresses do it every night. So Yeah, so my first experience with the Little Women story was the, the recent 2019 Oscar-winning film starring Saoirse Ronan and Emma Watson and Florence Pugh, who was robbed and should have won Best Supporting Actress. Um, yes mm -hmm. correct you took okay. that role like i haven't seen other versions but she took amy in a in a better direction than anybody else and she deserved she had a fabulous year between that and midsummer too yeah amy is like the most hated character in the entire literary canon and she made us all absolutely fall in love with her and understand mm -hmm. her in a way that is so much more than a little brat yes anyway tangent <laughs> um, that was my first experience with Little Women. And going in, I knew that one of them died. I didn't know which one, but I knew that one of them was going to die. Uh, I have not seen or listened to all of the Little Women musical. I've obviously listened to this song and a couple other songs. Um, This is a really, really nice song. It's very, it's, I think, melodically, it's it's like a lot of what you're, you're going to get. And if you're expecting like a kind of nice duet power ballad you're gonna get that and it's that's not a, a rip at all on the musical mm -hmm. this is like classic duet 
power ballad, two strong voices are just going to carry this thing. And the lyrics and the music obviously help very much, but come on, Sutton Foster. Sutton Foster, that's true. Sutton Foster. Sutton Foster. Uh, The harmonies, I have to shout out the harmonies. I think they're just perfect and beautiful. For another smooth transition into our next little song here. Oh boy. Talking about chill-inducing harmonies. Oh boy. This next song is the 11 o'clock number from the band's visit. It is Answer Me by the fabulous David Yazbek and sung by the equally fabulous Adam Cantor. Uh, oh, so if you haven't seen the band's visit, there's a subplot in the show, Telephone Guy. There's a guy in this small town just waiting by a telephone uh, for his wife to call him or his lover to call him. And he's just waiting there. The whole show, we get little snippets of him. He's just waiting. Nothing's happening. It's He's just waiting. And then we finally get to the song, and this is like his plea for her to call him. And and then she eventually does, and it makes me very happy. This is why I cry. Let me read some of these lyrics. It's a pretty simple song. If I try, maybe I can see your shadow in the sodium light that masquerades as moon. If I try, I might take off like a sparrow, and I'll travel along a guiding breeze. <laughs> I, could cry. I could cry right now. If that isn't the most beautiful romantic lyrics you've ever heard, I, I, I don't know what is. This is such a beautiful song, and it's placed perfectly in the show because the band's visit is paced pretty slowly. It's it's kind of a slow burn show. It's it's a show that really not a lot happens like plot wise, but it it comes at a perfect point in the show where relationships are are falling apart or reforming and everyone is at an emotional is emotionally vulnerable and then the whole cast joins in for the best musical harmony of the 2010s in musical theater. I have said it. Connor just dropped an imaginary <laughs> mic, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the harmonies, man. This is this is a very special show to me as well. It's I'm all for the slow burn. Mm-hmm. I saw this with my boyfriend, and it was just, especially during this song, it's just the perfect song to like cling to your loved one. <laughs> yeah. It's very poignant and yeah, Connor really said it all. It's so earnest. I like earnestness in in musical theater songs. Yeah. And to widen the conversation just a little bit, like Connor said, the lack of irony in this entire show is mm-hmm. so beautiful. And I read something a while back about how that Hamilton killed irony in the American musical theater. Interesting. That it's an interesting hypothesis and this came after Hamilton so it would would fall into that category where because of Hamilton it's no longer cool to be winking at the audience the whole time like isn't this so silly we're singing on stage like ha 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 because like unironic enthusiasm wins essentially and it solidified its win with Hamilton in the mind of whoever wrote this and I think that's that's an interesting concept. And I'm also with them, whoever they are, because I think that musical theater is at its best when the music is just woven into the fabric of the world and it doesn't need to be explained 
and it doesn't need to be apologized for in any way. You got shows that are like kick lines and flashy smiles and like those are fine because I love those shows. I, I, I love big spectacle musicals too, but I think musical theater to even more widen the conversation, I think musical theater is at its best when it is just unapologetic and earnest and the music is, is there and doesn't have to be. Like Lou said, you don't have to wink at the audience and be like, we're singing, but we don't sing in real life when we have conversations because that's not how the world works. It's, yeah, and this show masters that. All right, my next pick, I oh, found oh boy. rather unexpectedly whilst down a Sierra Renee rabbit hole, as I, one does. As one does. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this song is called I'll Be Here from the musical Ordinary Days. It's a bit of a deep cut of a musical for most people, I would say. I had not heard of it until I came across this song randomly and then it the song blew me away so much that I had to go and find the full musical, which is on YouTube. And it's a four character, it's not a song cycle, it has a plot. Without any of the context of the rest of the show, this song in itself is a freaking masterpiece, okay? So I am gonna walk you through it now. So pause, listen, I'm waiting. Okay, now you're back. Now that We're you're back. back, whoa! Yeah, Hope and you've time. cried a lot now and you're ready to hear me talk about it. So- You're not clinically depressed right now after hearing that song. Well, okay, <laughs> here's the thing though. All right, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to that, I'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, it starts off just sounding like this super sweet love song. And this woman is talking all about how she met the love of her life and they're married and they have a dog and it's beautiful. And then you're listening and you're like, oh, it's their first anniversary. And oh my God, it's 9-11. Whoops. Which uh, I said that kind of comically, but I honestly don't know how to deal with it other than with comedy because it's so sad. Yeah. It's so sad thinking it about this. And the way it's written is even sadder. I'm not even going to say the lyrics because I, I want you to listen to it but it's the most beautiful heartbreaking reveal it's like at least in writing it's the definition of showing and not telling after that you kind of hit your low and you're like oh my god where is the song going from here yeah and it picks up from there and she basically says you might be wondering why i'm telling you this and you're like oh wait this is musical theater She's talking to someone, <laughs> like there's a person that she's directing this song to. The song builds to this point where she said she had this beautiful realization that she could let go of her relationship with her dead husband and move on and really embrace life and embrace the present. And it ends with her, I can't even explain it because it's just so beautiful in the song. It's like, ah. Ah! Okay, <laughs> but basically she accepts the person she's talking to's marriage proposal. He's proposed to her and she hasn't answered him. And she's explaining like, you get the whole context of like, oh my God, like she's explaining why she's had such a hard time committing to him. And oh boy, is it beautiful. And it is depressing, absolutely. Like maybe you are clinically depressed now, I'm so sorry. But <laughs> what's what makes me cry the most about this song is how 
beautiful and hopeful it is at the end and the affirmation that yes this is horrible this happened to me and i'm accepting it and i'm moving forward with my life because that's what he would want for me i think i, I think lou touched on this as well i mean i i i know nothing about ordinary days outside of this song but it stands very well in and of itself which makes it a good cabaret piece if you're yeah. if you're at a sad cabaret and you want to sing a sad song this is definitely there uh for the taking um yeah this it stands really well on its own melodically beautiful lyrically beautiful emotionally beautiful and you should experience it but you already have because you paused the podcast where we told you to pause it and you watched it and you're already sobbing like me okay yeah. Uh, Moving do you, on. <laughs> you want to continue sobbing? Yes? Well, good. Um, before we get to the final song, we, we have some honorable mentions. We do. Uh, we'll talk about these very, very briefly. The, my first honorable mention, Song of Purple Summer from Spring Awakening, the finale of the show. Lou was talking about how she connects with the idea of growing up and nostalgia as a child. What I connect with most is teenage angst and wanting to be an adult, but still being a teenager and power in that regard in society. And this has it all. Um, so it doesn't make me cry necessarily because it's sad. It makes me cry because it gives me hope. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Okay. Yeah. My first honorable mention is basically every song in the secret. <laughs> the whole thing. I couldn't even pick one. I mean, if I had to pick a few, I would say, how could I ever know? Which makes me cry for for two reasons. One, because it's a beautiful, heartbreaking song. And two, because I auditioned for some uh, intense musical theater colleges with it. And just thinking about that process makes me want to cry still. Me too! Okay. Uh, <laughs> but then after How Could I Ever Know, the other two that I would probably say make me cry the most would be Racing You to the Top of the Morning, Mandy Patinkin. Mm. Ah! Okay. Ah! Um, that's just a beautiful, gorgeous song. And Come to My Garden also makes me cry a lot. Um, my next honorable mention is Santa Fe from Newsies. Not because Jeremy Jordan has sung the piece, but because I sang it. It was my last show I ever was in. I was Jack Kelly and I sang it and uh, I cried a lot on stage. Um, you know, senior year high school theater, emotional experience, if you've ever done it. This makes me cry mostly because of the memories. It's a very good song, but yeah, it's, it's mostly the memories. And Jeremy Jordan sings it. Okay. Incorrect. Um, my next honorable mention <laughs> is Days and Days from Fun Home. This was one that really got me in the theater too. When I, I again, I, I don't cry a ton in the moment. Makes me cry, makes me cry. And then my last honorable mention is uh, from Once, Falling Slowly, because it's, it is a beautiful, beautiful love song, and it's a folk musical, and I like folk music. Yeah, this is a, a great song um, that, 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 like uh, some of the other songs we talked about, builds very, very nicely to a very satisfying crescendo. But those songs are all a little sad. They make us cry sometimes. Oh, boy. So this song is is technically my last selection but it's kind of a dual selection yeah it is um, which lou will explain but it is uh by william finn from falsettos the musical what would i do uh no lou just i need a break man <laughs> <laughs> i actually would have picked a different one 
simply because well we both saw the revival which is kind of remarkable actually because it was a very limited run so i'm glad we have that shared experience and the song i was going to talk about was actually a very short not super notable song called canceling the bar mitzvah because it's at that point that i started crying (laughs) and you don't stop until the musical ends the actual song that we're talking about is the finale song what would i do uh, yeah. it, I, are you together enough to talk connor or shall i continue no i i can so if you don't know the story of falsettos um it is about uh two lovers marvin and wizard um who have a tumultuous relationship and then they eventually get back together and it's all going well uh wizard gets a disease heavily implied to be hiv aids but never explicitly stated but it is it's um, AIDS. It's it definitely is. AIDS. The only reason they don't classify it is because technically in the world of the show, no one was really talking about AIDS yet. It was still right. very early on in the crisis. Yeah, this and, it, it's set yeah. in ni- 1981. This song is sung by a grieving Marvin. It's a duet between a grieving Marvin just before Wizard's funeral and a dead wizard. Uh, the, the spirit of Wizard, basically, um, who... The whole second half of Act Two, he's looking very sickly. He's in the hospital, and then he's he's back in his he's looking like a heartthrob again. He's looking like Andrew Rannells, and uh-huh. oh my god! I similarly to Lou, I didn't stop crying till after the show ended. I had to collect myself at the stage door. Boy, this is a tough one. This is just it's beautiful. The harmonies are incredible, and I can actually sing the high part, which makes me happy. Um, <laughs> It's so amazing. William Finn, man, doesn't get mm. enough credit for any of his shows, I think. But man, this is this is a masterpiece. I could sing this song technically, but it almost feels disrespectful to me to sing this song just because it's like, it's so beautiful. And I feel like it should never be taken out of its context almost because it's it's so perfectly written for that moment and for those two imaginary people. It just, it just feels like it belongs to them. It feels like it's for them. And I also just have to take a moment to shout out a lyric that will never be overrated no matter how many times people quote it. Once I was told that good men get better with age, we're just going to skip that stage. We're just going to skip that stage. Oh, man. And then there's, oh, uh, there's yeah. to shout out another lyric, there's a lyric that says, all your life you wanted men when you got it up to have them who knew it could end your life that's wizard singing to marvin so you're already sad about wizard and then you realize you're not going to see it on stage but marvin's going to die too and yeah it, it's just a double gut punch and you try not to hear it and you try to move on but man that sticks with you yeah and the harmonies and the little falsetto at the end which i know it's called falsettos blah, 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 blah. but um <laughs> It's in all my sad show tunes playlists. I put it in a random playlist just wherever. If I'm listening to whatever type of music, I just throw it in there. It's yeah. it's it's definitely one of my favorite songs in all of musical theater. It definitely right. hits full impact for me when I have listened to either the entire show or the entirety of Act Two. Well, that was a, a very sad romp. Can you even use the word romp for whatever just to. happened? I have to. It's my catchphrase. Every... Every good media has to have a catchphrase. You think of Fonz's catchphrase? 
You think of Joey's catchphrase on Friends. Connor has a catchphrase on your Wednesday matinee, and it's romp. Um, that was a very that's not a phrase. That's a word. <laughs> Connor has a catchphrase. Catch romp. <laughs> yeah, that was a a a very sad romp through some very sad songs that make us cry, or make us cry, um, for other reasons, but mostly for sad reasons. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Please, if there's ever a time to listen to our playlist for an episode, this is probably it. You've already done it though. So. Yeah. <laughs> Louis, uh, you can't see, but Louis like. Oh yeah, I made a face. Louis, Louis threatening you visually, um, <laughs> but not with violence. With no. um, because if you don't listen to the playlist, we're just gonna have to talk about cats next time, and nobody wants that. So I'll listen <laughs> to the playlist. Lou, I have some abominable news for you. Abominable. Abominable. Uh, unfortunately. This episode of your Wednesday matinee has closed after just one performance. Luckily, we'll be back in two weeks with another one night only can't miss theatrical event. And if you just can't wait another two weeks for your Broadway radio fix. I know I can't. Neither can I. So you simply must tune into the best of Broadway every Sunday morning from 10 to noon on 92 WICB. Listen on 91.7 FM in Ithaca, New York or stream from anywhere on WICB.org. And to hear the music we discussed in today's show, which you have of course already done, check out 92WICB on Spotify for our custom-made playlists. We'd also like to thank Epidemic Sound for our intro and outro music. If there's anything you would like us to put on the podcast stage, send us an email at matinee at WICB.org. We'd love to hear from you. 